have new neighbors across the road, like right out this window over my left shoulder, and I am really, really doing everything I can not to be the guy who just stares out his window at his neighbors. They are across four lanes of traffic. They're almost right on top of me. I just don't want to be that guy. But every time I walk in or out of the room, my eyes just go right into, you know, their abode. It's a hard thing. <laughs> Sorry. I know, like, I, I feel like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a walking, talking Hitchcock movie at this point, just waiting to happen. I feel you on that. Cause when I'm at my boyfriend's place, his, uh, brownstone looks down into this lovely older couple's yard. See? And they have these two feral cats. Right. And all we do is just stare at the cats. <laughs> yeah. So like that, but instead of cats, it's people. <laughs> this is the challenge oh of downtown God. living. <laughs> I tell you, if I'm walking in the street or in, I'm in a car and you don't close your drapes, I'm looking. So I, I agree. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, like, And that's the thing. It's fair game. Every time I'm moving about, I always think to myself, they can see everything. I wear pants when I don't want to wear pants. <laughs> I wear shirts when I don't want to wear shirts. I do it for them. So, okay, this is the reality. I totally get it. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 304 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. There are all sorts of signs of spring. Robins hopping on the lawn, flowers blooming in the soil, teams getting bounced out of the playoffs. Life returns at this time of year. There are all sorts of reminders of this, and on this show... It's today's guest. For reasons I cannot entirely explain, she always seems to get asked around at springtime. Sometimes to talk about great films, sometimes less than great films, but always between March and May. She's my own little robin on the bow, reminding me that life springs eternal. She is everywhere. She's a programmer at Blood in the Snow Festival. She's a programmer at Fantasia, uh, and she's a local dear friend. Carolyn Morissette is here. How are you, Carolyn? Hello, I'm good. You finally caught me. <laughs> yeah, really. God. I, people, people who listen to this show and, and may not be a guest of the show, I don't know who does, who listens and is not a guest. Um, even the guests don't listen. Everybody's DMs are usually, do you want to come on the show? Do you want to come on the show? And it, it's it's like the last time I've DM'd the same person. It's usually the same reason. Um, so thank you for finally um, finding the time. Um, and as I said, I always love when you come by. So I'm glad to see you well. I'm glad to have you back. Um, I, one of these days I'm going to bring you in in the fall just to mix it up. Oh my God. If you can, again, if you can catch me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> On episode 304, we will be discussing Renfield. We'll be flipping the record over to play the other side. But first we need to learn more about Carolyn. This is Know Your Enemy. Carolyn debuted on Matinee Cast 171. We talked about A Cure for Wellness. On that episode, we learned the first film she ever saw in a theater was The Apple Dumpling Gang. The last film she'd seen at the time was The Girl on the Train. The worst film she's ever seen is Nurse 3D. Her unseen classic or essential is Easy Rider. And the film she wished she'd made is David Cronenberg's Crash. Carolyn returned shortly after that on episode 176. We talked about Colossal, the film 
everybody else hates that she digs is Lords of Salem. The films everybody else likes that she does not is The Innkeepers. The last movie to make her cry was Moonlight. In the movie of her life, she'd be played by Megan Good. And the movie she was watching next wasn't actually a movie. It was a TV show from Sweden called Jord Scott. Episode 219 was about Jordan Peele's Us. We learned the film that made her love of cinema turn a corner is E.T. Her first date movie was Basic Instinct. Her sick day movie is any CGI monster movie. Doom, Resident Evil, films of that ilk. The last film to leave her speechless was the Suspiria remake. And her epitaph would be, we'll go somewhere where there's cheese from Wallace and Gromit. Then on episode 256, it was the last time Carolyn was by until now, we talked about Test Pattern. The film she really digs but never wants to see again is Irreversible. The film that genuinely freaks her out is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. The film that always makes her laugh is Step Brothers. Her favorite movie soundtracks, plural, are Under the Skin and again, the remake of Suspiria. And the film she loves but seemingly nobody else has heard of is something called The Conspiracy. So it's time again for round five. We did this last week with uh, Jolie Featherstone. Carolyn, it's your turn. When you go to the theater, where do you like to sit? I like to sit as far away from people as possible. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I tend to like the aisle. So kind kind of a funny story. So I had a progressively worsening hip. It was just over like 10 years. Okay. It was not good. And then it got so bad, I could barely walk. But, you know, during the pandemic, wasn't really going anywhere. And then I got in for a hip replacement in uh, the end of 2021. And so that was like, it basically took me two years to recover. Wow. Um, so I like the aisle seat because I don't like to kind of scooch down into the middle. Mm. I just feel kind of too confined. I need to, sure. I need to run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on zombie alert, so I need to run. The aisle seat's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on an aisle. Uh, does it matter? Close on an aisle? Back on an aisle? This, I like kind of the middle section. Okay. Maybe, if not exactly the aisle, maybe like two or three seats in as, okay. as, far, okay. as far as I go. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think this is the first time like aisle specific has been brought up. And I got to tell you, my approach to the aisle if i go especially if i go by myself if i go with people i'll tend to defer but if i go by myself one of the things i like to do and maybe this is you as well is i like to sit on the outer aisle so if you imagine a large-ish theater you've got that center block of seats and then you usually have these wings of Mm -hmm. somewhere between four and ten seats on the wings i like to sit in the wings, I like to sit on the first one that's on the aisle so that I know for sure I don't have heads in the way yes. looking at the screen or I don't have, you know, somebody's phone. And, you know, the movies is one thing, but especially if it's like live theater, love mm-hmm. that because that then you're usually in closer together and they're not on su- such a steep bank. But yeah, that, that's me. I don't know about you. So you're like aisle like, only or, or outer aisle too? I like that those seats too actually um... – I used to go to a lot of film festivals by myself. So I would mm-hmm. tend to gravitate towards those seats because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know there's only a certain amount of people that can come in. And yeah. usually they kind of, if you have a um, kind of a sour look on your face, they won't come near you. <laughs> <laughs> if you appear um, surly, they're not there to their steering clear. I yeah. love it. And I do agree with that. Like there's nobody in front of you. So, yeah. you know, that really works. 
I mean, kind of, I'm not sure. I'm short. I'm not the tallest yeah, person. Yeah, I mean, the, the newer theaters, it's not too bad. But in, in a lot of the older theaters, it's not on that steep of a bank, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a lot in Toronto that are still pretty flat and the mm-hmm. rake is not that steep. So if you're on that outer aisle, it's great. You've got a re- really clear line of sight. Nobody's in your way. You know, if you're watching a film with subtitles, even better, because then you don't have to worry about doing this. And I know it's an audio medium, so people can't see what I'm doing, but I'm ducking yeah. my head left and right, <laughs> trying to read an imaginary subtitle. Okay. On an aisle. I'll keep that in mind. The next time we go to a movie, if you could go on a date, with any movie character, and we're going to specify because this came up last time, character, not necessarily the actor, Mm -hmm. who would you choose? I thought about this and I'm like, do not pick a character that Keanu Reeves plays because that's cheating. Um, But I'd allow it. Well, I mean, (laughs) he's obviously my first choice and that's my typical choice. However, I'm going to say the Predator from AVP. What? But then I would probably ruin the date because I would keep asking the Predator what it was like to work with Sanaa Lathan because I love her so much. (laughs) So was she nice, huh? Did she smell nice? But like, did she, was she really nice? But she was nice, right? That's all the date would consist of, (laughs) me asking how nice she was. (laughs) You want to go on a date with a non-human? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a safe, it's a safe space. Um, Look, he was cool with Sanaa Lathan, so he's going to be cool with me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what would you, what would you talk about? I don't know, like his gear, because I kind of dig all the doodly doot doot things on his arm, you know, like the, the tech. I would talk about the tech. I think I, is cool. I mean, I might ask who does his hair. Yeah, I mean, you know, how how are you in zero gravity? I don't know. I I don't like flying. Is there you, a way I do can you get tie the locks it? back, or when you go yeah. to when you go into space, do they all just kind of float free? Float that that would look magnificent. I'd ask about the boots. <laughs> what do you eat? What's on the menu? Well, how do you brush people. your teeth? We know that. Yeah, that, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. That, okay. See, now you're 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 applying logic to this. <laughs> I could look. I'm I'm good at that. <laughs> Listen. 304 episodes into this. I don't know how many times we've done round five. This is a first. So congratulations with that. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm going to enjoy coming back to that when we come back to round six. Um, I'm almost afraid to ask this now. Uh, Carolyn, what is the dirtiest film you have ever seen? I would say more shocking than dirty. I mean, there's tons of like X-rated stuff in it, but um have you seen the uh, French extremity film Besmois? No, tell me about one? this opus. The director is uh, Virginie Despentes, and um, she is kind of into documenting marginalized people and marginalized women and like youth culture and that sort of thing. So okay. it's about these two women who are just not treated well. They they they're like sex workers, and it's kind of like an X-rated Thelma and Louise, basically. It was in the French extremity heyday, and it's just really graphic. There's a lot of sex, a huh. lot of violence. You know, for all the shock value and all the sex and like the titillating stuff, it's actually quite sad because these women, um, they don't really have anybody in their corner. They, they don't really have like a way out. So they just kind of go berserk. They're like, you know, screw it. Let's just go berserk. And like they, they go a bit of on a, a crime spree. And 
doesn't end well for them. But uh, yeah, that movie, I was like, zoinks. <laughs> I watched it. I was like, wow, they're putting it out on film and this is not a porn? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's always uh, kind of wild. It's, it's, it's amazing that you bring that up because I, I think back to how America had its um, it's it's very very uh, strict code about what you could do in a film for the longest time, and how they had to really start dialing that down uh, when international films became more and more prevalent back in the fifties and sixties. It was nothing like Besmois, but mm-hmm. it was still um, you know with a more European sensibility. It was more like, well, why can't we show this in a film? Um, I think I think that still that still exists in a lot of ways. Like a lot, I think that a lot of the so-called wildest movies I have ever seen are usually international films, just because they're mm-hmm. less puritanical about what they what they want to what they want to put into their 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 films. I mean, I've never seen it. I'm, I'm now I'm now curious. So good work for all the reasons, not just for. Yeah. Carolyn says it's you know good and dirty. As I'm looking around at it, I'm getting kind of shades of bound. Um, yeah, I would say, but I don't. From what I remember, I actually own it, um, and I don't. I think I watch it with my boyfriend. He was like, "Well, I'm never watching that again," because <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a hardcore feminist and like anarchist, and he he loves feminist like this is a feminist film in a way mm-hmm. but it's also but, very harrowing so okay he didn't like to see how the women were treated in this film but um mm. it's kind of like bound but they don't have a relationship with each other they're just okay. like they're just they, friends. they're best friends and like they they have a kinship because they've gone through similar circumstances so yeah okay Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, well, I'm curious. So, uh, you know, the, well done, but um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go into it forewarned, knowing yeah. everything that, you've, that you and what you're telling me about your boyfriend has already, have already informed me. Uh, Besmoi. Carolyn, what is your favorite black and white film? I thought about this one uh, for a while, too. And um, I'm going to say Night of the Hunter. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's yes. just beautiful. Yes. That film has come up on this show several times over mm-hmm. the life of this podcast. And I just I keep coming back to the same thing over and over and over that one of the saddest stories of Hollywood is that the director of that movie was so convinced by the studio that he had done terrible work that he quit. And, you know, I I look back on that and I'm like, this is the sign to everybody, you know, who suffers from imposter syndrome, who struggles to find their place in any industry to believe in yourself because the person Mm -hmm. who created something legendary, like that is the answer. When I ask that question, that is kind of the answer I almost always expect the, you know, Lawton it was the one thing he did and then he he hung it up um i you know is is was there any reason why that one jumped out for you specifically um i think cuz of the 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 film the story itself is really chilling like it's mm-hmm. just so scary it's really creepy um and i just really love the way he used shadow in that yeah. film i can't really remember there's a, a few scenes where if I'm not mistaken, there's like a, a scene where they're like in an 
like the top of a house or mm-hmm. I just remember the angles yeah. being so sharp and yeah. that being like so unnerving in a way, you know? So, yeah. Cause yeah. they're in this, it's, it's like a, it's like an attic space. It's like a loft, yes. but mm-hmm. it's so tall that you'd expect a room that's in the apex of a house to mm-hmm. be very, very claustrophobic to, you know, for the roof to be almost like right brushing your head. But right. in the space, it just keeps on going up, but it comes to a point. It's very, very surreal in that way. Like it's, it's kind of gives you shades of like cabinet of Dr. Caligari type things. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, I could, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd love to, you know what I, I, I miss is that I wish I had taken a class on that movie. Like I would love mm-hmm. somebody who's a, like a really great professor um, or, or, you know, are a really great photographer to really break down that movie scene by scene to like go over the photography and like look at all the details that we're missing. Cause we just look at it and look, Oh, how, how pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It would be really cool to, yeah. Just to, to learn about all the inside inside mm-hmm. information on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, love it. That, that is that, you know, I don't say that I don't really ask these questions with a right or wrong answer in mind, but mm-hmm. that is the right answer. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Finally for now, Carolyn, what is a film that you like, but nobody would expect it? Um, anything by Doris Day, but in particular, I really love the pajama game. Um, oh. It's, it's so cute. It's just like, I know that she was panned a lot for being wholesome, but I just love her movies. They're so bright and colorful and she just sang so beautifully and the pajama game is fun. You know, it's, it's about these like basically pajama fact there. It's a pajama factory and these workers um, kind of rise up because they want to be paid more. And they they have a union, and this handsome young manager comes in, and um, Doris Day is one of the workers, and they kind of butt heads, and then they fall in love, and you know, there's like a little bit of um, uh, kind of like a, some underhanded stuff going on, and the songs are great, and they it's because it's pajamas, and I love pajamas. <laughs> I could go on, but I love that movie, and I love Doris Day. So. Yeah, I, I don't think. <laughs> You know, what if what I what I'm thinking if somebody were to tell me like talk to me about Carolyn, I'd be like, well, you know, she likes she likes genre films. She's a programmer at a bunch of uh, festivals. She's really smart. She can talk to you about like all the meaning and this and that and the other, and 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 she likes Doris Day. I mean, it would it would take me a little while to get to that point of the conversation. Um, yeah, I, I would. I, I don't think I would expect this. It's I think just because it's just so bright and cheery, and that's. Well, well, you yourself are a bright and cheery person. That's not exactly what I call your vibe. I know, I know. Well, I knew my boyfriend bought me a box set because I remember I just there was like um, I think I was working a terrible job, oh, which we'll probably get into later. But <laughs> um, just terrible, and I just bummed. And I think at that time I had uh, cable, and TCM had a bunch of Doris Day movies, mm-hmm. and I can't tell you how happy they made me just with her singing and the dancing and the costumes and oh so beautiful like I just love that era of musicals and stuff like that I'm not a huge musical person but there's just some like I oh I love Doris Day 
That's okay. No argument here. There's there's mm-hmm. a few. I, I don't know her movies backwards and forwards. There's a few of them. Um, I mean, obviously, The Man Who Knew Too Much. I love the mm-hmm. heck out of Pillow Talk is a really, really fun one mm-hmm. that I always love. Um, there's Don't and- the Daisies. That one's really cute, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's ain't, ain't nothing wrong with no Doris Day. That's for darn sure. Um, she was an she, animal activist as well, by the way. So was yeah. she? Yeah, mm-hmm. she was very much. Um, I think I can't remember what film she was on, but there was a bunch of circus animals and they weren't being treated well. So okay. as the story goes, she refused to work if mm-hmm. they did not improve the conditions for the animals. Right. And I'm like, you go, Doris. <laughs> Love it. It's it's trippy too because I I'm realizing too she actually she didn't die even all that long ago it was just four years ago that she died yeah yeah so oh, all right Doris Day yeah I would I would not have guessed so uh, well done uh, yeah. well there we go that is more about Carolyn we will learn even more when she comes back for a sixth round uh, I'm gonna try to make it not next spring and we'll see what we can do about fall or winter um, but we have a uh, story to get to in our main section come on back after this. It's Renfield in the new slang right after this. Renfield is directed by Chris McKay. It's written by Ryan Ridley. It stars Nicolas Cage, Nick Holt, Aquafina, Ben Schwartz, and Shore Agdashlu. Renfield is about, well, Renfield, manservant and Guy Friday for Count Dracula. Like the actual Count Dracula. Children of the night, I never drink wine. That Count Dracula. 90 years ago, he helped Dracula escape vampire hunters and flee to the new world, which is where they've stayed. Secluded and hidden in an abusive relationship, now in a new century, Renfield is starting to see the situation for what it is and trying to get out, which is easier said than done. You see, there is a family of drug lords that kind of run the show and you wouldn't know it. Their paths cross with Dracula and now they like him and want to keep him around. But others, like Renfield and a local noble cop named Rebecca Quincy, think that the undead should finally die and are determined to put him in the ground. What I have loved, capital L loved, about having film fans like Carolyn in my life for the last 15 years or so, is the way they have been able to help me learn more about genre film. These silly and gory little trifles where things go bump in the night can often get a bad rap, but they can also be more. So Pop Quiz Hotshot, is Renfield more? And if so, how? <laughs> I don't think so. I think you just have to take it for what it is. Okay. You know? I'm you glad can. we I'm glad we I was hoping that you had something because I, I that was what I I came away from it with as well, was I went into it hoping that it mixed in amongst this silly bubbly little gross out horror comedy that there mm-hmm. might be uh, a little bit more philosophy in there um mm-hmm. and uh I, I was i'm like well carolyn's smarter than me maybe she saw something that i didn't but uh, i'm glad to know that i just i didn't miss anything don't okay. get me wrong though i kind of i'm like hey is there something here is there, <laughs> i'm like no you're gonna break a brain cell or two if you keep like it's just fun i enjoyed it it was silly um I really love the ad- attention to detail, the set design, the costumes are gorgeous. Yeah, it was fun. I w- it wasn't I didn't expect it to be so like 
action-oriented. That's yeah. one thing I was shocked about. Um, yeah, no kidding. And I didn't think that uh, Aquafina and Nicholas Holt had that much chemistry. I wasn't sure no. what the dealio was th- with that. Like, it made me think that there's going to be a sequel, just the way it ended. I'm like, I wish there was more there. Like, either give us a bit more definition. Are they going to be besties? Mm-hmm. Because in some way, it seemed like there was going to be more. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would have liked it if it unfolded, like, you know, Step Brothers, where <laughs> that movie. Where I know. Like, yeah, let's be best I, friends. I know, I know you do. <laughs> Your anyway. stepbrother love is legendary around this it's part. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was not crazy about this movie. Um, it was, it was fine. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was all right to pack, you know, to pass some time. But if I was looking for, you know, one movie to spend my money on and spend 90 minutes on, I mean, there's that it's brief. It is really, really quick at at 90 minutes. You get in, you get bloody and you get out real fast. Um, But overall, I, I, I felt like, I don't know if maybe it was just the movie I thought I was going to versus the movie that I got or the way it kind of keeps tapping on this premise but never actually really explores it that that let me down so i came away from it and i'm like that 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 didn't really work for me now that said um we got to talk about nick holt in this movie because Mm -hmm. this boy i mean he's he's a man now i I keep calling him a boy because i've watched we've watched him grow up since exactly um since about a boy 21 years ago now um geez time flies um Mm -hmm. this boy's fantastic in everything he does and there's just so many sides of him and that was the one thing i was happy to see is every time he's he's, i don't think there's there's not a whole lot of renfield that he's not in holt is amazing holt is absolutely Mm. delightful in this movie well i gotta tell you ryan (laughs) i don't i don't like that kid (laughs) (laughs) nothing against him sure he's a nice young man i hated warm bodies oh you actually don't like him oh i thought you were messing with me okay go on yeah please yeah hated warm bodies i know a lot of people like that movie yeah i love that one i was down with the bad zombies i'm like let's go with them let's go (laughs) have fun with the bad zombies um but um in this movie i put it aside because he was actually very good he was really really good very charming in this film and and his timing was great Mm -hmm. um can't say a bad thing about him in this movie (laughs) he's he's asked to do a lot like He's asked to really carry this concept of being in the toxic relationship, but not entirely knowing how to get out. And that requires, especially when it's this kind of relationship of, you know, master and servant or, mm-hmm. or you know, employee and boss, um, where, you know, it's, it's two men, you know. So he's he's asked on the one hand to be sympathetic about being so downtrodden and being so abused in this Mm -hmm. relationship, but also being somebody who, you know, you can see the strength in him if he just doesn't even see it himself. And yet, yeah, he's, he's rather sweet and charming about how he goes about his tasks. Uh, You know, whether it's, uh, you know, bringing the bodies back or trying to be a good host when he finally gets his own apartment and even just trying to decorate an apartment of his own that he's never had. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you finally dug him in something. I love him. Yeah. He's he's the kind of guy where if he's in a movie, I'm automatically interested. So I'm, I'm glad that you're at least mildly coming over to, to Team Holt. 
well, the only reason why I went to see it was Nicolas Cage because I am I love Nicolas Cage. I don't care what he's in. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's the worst B movie on the planet. I will watch him in it. Um, but then I actually was so drawn in by um, Renfield. And, and it's true. He was very charming. He was very funny. I uh, did a lot of great physical humor. Um, I loved the montage when he was... Uh, changing into like being like a normal guy with the bright colors and he's painting yeah. his apartment and it yeah. just, I just wanted to cheer him on you know yeah it, he used he did really well in this movie yeah what one of my favorite little touches of the, of the of the movie is when he's decorating his apartment he puts all those motivational posters on the wall <laughs> yes. like all those ones you tend to see in like a library or or a bad boss's office you're like oh boy you just yes. you're, so, you're so like you know on the one hand you're like dude we maybe dial it back a bit but you're like you know what do you you're figuring this out you'll you'll get there yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes absolutely strive you know like do everything that those posters say yeah. um you mentioned of course nick cage and I gotta be honest. I I thought in this movie he was actually far more subdued than okay. I thought he was gonna be. I think a lot of people like that's what that they were kind of upset that he wasn't in it more. But I mean, hello, it's called Renfield, right? <laughs> you know, it's not it's not called the Nicolas Cage's Dracula show. So you know, he did his thing, which was incredible. And those black and white sequences at the start of the film. Mm-hmm. were gorgeous like mm-hmm. i just thought that was so well done um and he just it looks like he had so much fun in this role why not you know yeah i mean it's it's i'm, I'm sure that when i'm sure that when his agent came to him and they're like so they want you to play dracula i can only imagine just like how overjoyed he got what i love is half the work is already done for him because his face is that shape mm-hmm just when he like steps onto the set, he's already like fully embodied. But you're right; he didn't go to Cuckoo Bananas as Dracula. Uh, I mean, you know, on a on a Cajun scale, mm-hmm. he's yes. somewhere down. He's somewhere down around a four or a five. He's not. Yeah. I mean, and, and even when it comes to Cage playing vampires, it's actually still pretty low. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's that's kind of what I love about him is as 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 a weird as he is and let us not mince words nick cage is a weird bloke um Mm -hmm. (laughs) he still knows how weird to get at any given moment yeah he he can kind of he'll dial it up and dial it down whatever he needs within within his weird energy pack (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. no but he was great and i again i have to um give it to the costume design too because he just embodied it when he was in the outfits and like he really did kind of give that Bella Lugosi creepiness and he was so good. Like I really thought the chemistry between those two was really good as well. Yeah. I, I mean, even right down to the makeup too, like you don't have, like mm-hmm. as I said, his face is the right shape, so you don't have to go crazy, but um, like, you know, playing up his cheekbones, playing mm-hmm. up his eyes, those, you know, that, particular set of dentures that they put in his mouth to give him that kind of mm-hmm. you know that monster mouth that they give him um it all really uh you know dials up 
the the eeriness that already is cage like how tall and how gaunt he already mm-hmm. is you know they they like you're, you're right the costumes that they put him in those capes those canes the shoes that they put him in he's, he's got like rings on every finger it, yeah. it, it all he 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 plays it all yeah you know? he absolutely does yeah he's he's a great addition to actors who have played vampires you know yeah yeah i'm, I'm surprised that you know it's taken him so long to come back to one mm-hmm. um I mean, I even just love, you know, he, like hearing him talk as Dracula and, and get, you know, like basically like, like putting in his order, like bring me, bring me some nuns or bring me a bus full of cheerleaders. Yeah. <laughs> like the way, the way he articulates these things, it's like, oh man, you have been waiting your entire career to say this kind of shit, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know. That's, I think that's why I really enjoyed this film. Yeah. I mean, there were some issues with it, but. Yeah, it's just fun. I actually had popcorn too because it's a popcorn movie, you know. So. <laughs> I was I saw a late show, so I was drinking coffee to make sure I could stay awake. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 a very strange sensation to be drinking coffee at ten thirty at night on on a work Lord. night. I, I mentioned this off the top, but what really held me back about this movie is that it wants to use the theme of a toxic relationship. For my money, that didn't really work. But I think you were saying, like, for your money, it kind of did? Yeah. I, I, It's funny. I never thought of it in that way. Never thought of it. I'm like, that's kind of brilliant. Um, and I think it's because it's um, the writer. He did uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. So I, I just think the cleverness of some of the writing and the way they position their relationship it is a, it's a toxic relationship it's like you know master servant it's like boss and underling you know and maybe i related to that because i've had a lot of horrible bosses and toxic workplaces so i really i got it i'm like of course it's a toxic relationship you know i thought it was clever i don't know if it worked all the way but I did think it was clever. Yeah. yeah that, and that's where, that's where we disagree because mm-hmm. to bring something like that up, like you're, you're right. I've, I've, I mean, certainly in the, certainly in the workplace. I mean, I've, Ooh. I've had some bad bosses. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of bosses. I kind of go through them the way that spinal tap goes through drummers. Um, <laughs> for me, it paid at lip service. Like all, mm-hmm. so keep coming back to this group therapy session, which I mean, was amusing. Because there's the one, there's the one woman trying to tell her story and she keeps getting cut off. She's like, "That's okay, I don't mind." And you're like, "Oh yeah. God, no!" Um, you know, they keep coming back to this group therapy session where they keep trying to drill into all these people who are in all of these various types of abusive relationships that you are enough. Um, the change begins with you, you know, like these kinds of really, you know, I, I don't, I don't mean to to poo poo it. These really, really valuable lessons. But when it comes to Renfield actually understanding that and putting it forward, I didn't buy it. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it felt like that 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 switch just kind of one of these days it just kind of went on, mm-hmm. and and even when he was all the times that he was toxing, toxing, <laughs> all of the times that he was talking to Rebecca about his mm-hmm. relationship with, and all the times where he was talking with the group about his relationship, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't really buy the switch, you know, like mm-hmm. the, there was there I, for me, it felt like there was a conversation missing um, mm-hmm. that it was just like one day he just kind of started fighting, but I'm like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because I'm just actually as you're as you're talking, I'm trying to think. So how did I get like my last job was horrifically toxic, and I'm just trying to think. Do I've been trying to look for a job and trying to be proactive about it, mm-hmm. and couldn't get hired, and then the pandemic came, <laughs> and I got laid off, and that was how I was able to move on. Yeah, same. So hard I'm saying. Not, yeah, right. So I'm just trying to think in terms of Renfield's case. I think because he was also so codependent on Dracula, maybe that's why. That's true, though. You make a good point, because if he's so codependent, why did this switch? I mean, I've never been in a toxic toxic relationship, just crazy ones. Um, yeah. So I can't really say like I just I just knew like, OK, he's nuts. Gotta go. You know, that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me um, as a self-preservation type thing. So maybe. Maybe it dawned on him in that way, but it's true because we don't really see where that turning point comes. And that's the thing is that I, I actually, I really like that idea. Like that was the, that was actually what drew me into Renfield along with the fact of like, let's explore this, you know, tertiary yeah. character in Dracula. Like usually when people talk about Dracula, they talk about Count and they talk about Mina Harker and Jonathan Harker. Mm-hmm. They probably talk a lot about Van Helsing. They don't really come back to Renfield an awful lot. To, to, to which I wager, if you ask ten people, they wouldn't even be able to name that he was in the original story mm-hmm. and how. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's in like every version we've seen on screen, so mm-hmm. I loved the idea when I first saw the concept and saw the trailers that we were going to get into this 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 terrible dynamic between master and servant between between subordinate and boss mm-hmm. but I, i'm like i wanted to get there just a little bit more like you're they, they were so close but for something that is that we're we're talking about more and more as time goes on and we're really discussing you know what a relationship whether it's personal whether it's familial uh whether certainly whether it's um professional what mm-hmm. it should be i'm like you're so close just give me one more scene and you've got it yeah, because I think we're supposed to go along with the fact that he sees, we see Rebecca kind of save the day, and maybe that's the point for him. I don't know. Uh, he wants to, he thinks she's so heroic. I guess maybe he wants to emulate the strength, his strength, but in 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 a good way for good. I mean, it's it's noble. Like she is, yeah. you know, her whole story is, uh, you know, she she's trying to live up to what her father did as a as a mm-hmm. law enforcement officer um in trying to do good in a town that is ferociously corrupt to mm-hmm. the point where a vampire can come into the power structure and it doesn't really change anything for the worse. <laughs> yeah, like sure, it, come on in. Yeah, it, oh, it yeah. just it amplifies things a little, but generally speaking, it's like, yeah, they're not really digging into the toxic relationship. That was one thing that 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 threw me. The other thing, though, that really threw me was this movie is violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, yeah, it's cartoonish violence, but this movie is violent yeah. <laughs> over and over and over. And I was like, dear God, when is this going to stop? Did that <laughs> did, like were you expecting that? Did that jump out for you? Were you like? Yeah, okay. I mean, you've seen a lot of stuff. You've seen way more yeah. stuff than I have. But like how did how did that get received in the eyes of Morissette? Yeah, that was pretty bonkers. I was like, I kept like it was actually a really good it was a pre-screening crowd and they were really receptive. So there was a lot of like, oh my god, like all like the arm ripping 
scene and like heads flying and so it was pretty nuts um i have to say not in a blood bloodthirsty way i don't know I, you know i watch so much horror i, yeah, I guess yeah. i'm desensitized but it is it's it's fun in a way <laughs> but after a while i'm like oh my god they are going all away with this <laughs> they're not letting up i think that's yeah. that, i think that's what got me it's like don't get me wrong i've seen i've seen plenty of movies where these kinds of fights happen. And when I say these mm-hmm. kinds of fights, we're talking like Dracula turns himself into mist, goes mm-hmm. into a person and explodes him from the inside. Yeah. And you're just, you know, like the camera is covered in blood. There yeah. are several scenes where people's arms get ripped off and then they are impaled on their own arm. Yes. Um, you know, the, the, when I say that this film is violent, I am not being, you know, a sensitive little flower here. They, it's, it is cartoonish and outlandish, but they earn it every time. Um, I think what really made it a little too much for me was that we get it early. We actually, we get it quite early. We see the mm-hmm. kind of violence that it's going to go for, but then we come back to it several times. If we're going to do that kind of sequence, if we're going to do those, mm-hmm. those kinds of set pieces, mm-hmm. um, you got to get your money's worth out of one, whether it's the mm-hmm. first one, the last one, or maybe even I'll, I'll spot you the first and the last one, but there's a lot of that. Like by my count, there's at least four uh, in 90 minutes, which is a lot of, blood i know it's a vampire movie but wow yeah and that 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 scene when they're in the apartment complex and then the fight's over and she kind of jumps onto the pile of bodies to get down yeah 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 she she says you know uh, i know people in the world they say it's okay i've seen worse this is gonna be my worst yeah and i and i think in my head yep yep that, that this will be yeah, it's it was absolutely yeah. It, there was a lot. There was a lot of that. I think I think everybody in the theater was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> so maybe that was their kind of you know surprise element is that they they think it's going to be this like jokey comedy. Yeah, and then you know I guess they pulled the rug out from under us. So yeah, I mean it's a vampire movie, so I'm not expecting. <laughs> I'm not sitting down expecting that I'm going to watch Tar. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. I expect blood. I do. And I expect <laughs> violence. I do. I don't expect quite that level that we got over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So, And there was a lot of loose ends. I don't know if you... And there was a lot of um, nods to other films as well. Like there is a Suspiria moment, the original, mm-hmm. um, when they introduce... Um, Ella Lobo and they've got like that screen and the sh- shadow yeah right yep. and the different colored lights but they never this is why I think there's going to be a sequel because they never go back to what she was doing right yeah no I mean that's that was one of the things that kind of that kind of made me scratch my head is mm-hmm. for for how absolutely wonderful Bella Francesca Lobo played by mm-hmm. um Shuri Agadushlu was. And I mean, the woman is incredible. Anything she does, she's fantastic. She has such presence. Her Mm -hmm. voice is incredible. Mm -hmm. I felt like the movie didn't give her enough to do. 
I agree. Yeah. She's incredible. And I would have liked to have seen her interact more with her son, who was so slithery. He's just so gross. You know? <laughs> I wanted yeah. to I wanted to see her interact more with Dracula. Like here's this mm-hmm. here's this monster that's been around for millennia. And here's this woman who is absolutely in charge of you know, it's a drug, it's a drug ring. So she's pretty damn evil herself. But mm-hmm. she's so poised and so in command of all of these boys under her like you know like that's the thing any any of the guys who come in contact with her you're like oh you are a small man in comparison mm-hmm. to this woman who's really running the show I, w- I wanted more between them you know what's funny too is that she plays i guess a carbon copy or like a, an opposite mm-hmm. role so the similar role but she does things for good and runs sweetheart run okay it's um it's on um uh i think amazon prime I'll have to look uh, for it. it. Yeah, it's a horror. Uh, it's about this young woman who um, basically is on the run. I won't spoil it, but okay. it's, but um, yeah, Shora is really incredible in that film. And she plays the same, like a similar character, but she's a good guy. <laughs> it's really interesting. Well, and she's in yeah. your, uh, you know, she, she's in your heebie jeebie movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, you know, she's, she's just, she's so talented. That's, uh, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's one of those things I can't stand is when, when a film like this, that's so dorky and, and, and dumb wastes the real talent. Like it didn't waste Nicolas Cage. Why are you wasting mm-hmm. uh, Sheree? Um, you know, the, I, I guess, that's my thing is I wonder too, um, you talked about how good this film was at mimicking the original universal Dracula, like that old Mm -hmm. black and white looking the way that Nick Holt and Nick Cage look in those Mm -hmm. scenes. I I wanted to spend a little bit more time there, like to set up the present. No, I think, I think it was a good balance. I thought it was, I thought it was a good balance because, uh, they just give you like a little bit of a taste and a nod, right? To yeah. the universal. Yeah. I thought it was okay. Yeah. No, I just, I, maybe I think just because, because they achieved that part so nicely, you know, and because yeah. it made, I, and I think maybe because it made me think about a better movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, you know, to, to go into like how they meet, how he mm-hmm. gives him this like sliver of his power where if he eats a bug he gets the power mm-hmm. but not you know he does he doesn't get to go full dracula i i, I don't know I, I i would that's that's i think that's the thing is whenever it comes to something like this if you don't succeed the first time then it's like you've you've played that card you can't try playing mm-hmm. it again you know mm-hmm. there, there's not going to be especially a character like this there's not going to be like another there's not going to be a deep impact to this Armageddon in, in yeah. a few years. Renfield <laughs> is done now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, that's the thing. Like it's, it's fine if somebody comes across it on one of the streaming platforms or if they come across it watching TV or on a plane, it's fine. But if you're looking to like actually drop down some money on a Friday night, it's like, uh, you could do a bit mm. better than fine. Um, you know, it's, it's not offensive or anything like that, but it's just for my money, it wasn't, good we end every matinee cast um, with a souvenir something tangible or intangible if you could take away from this movie and keep you would um carolyn morissette what would be your souvenir from renfield definitely his velvet jacket with the jewels on the lapels oh, man. Oh, that was fly i was so like my good. goodness <laughs> right 
Yeah. Oh man. That's yeah, that would be good. Yeah. You could work that too. I could, I could see yeah. that. Well, that would look great. Well, let me put on the <laughs> creepers and you know, <laughs> exactly. Get your walking stick. Um, yeah. Mine would be, I want to go to that bar. I want to go to that, that creepy looking party bar in, yeah. in New Orleans. That's got yeah. like the, the skulls and the voodoo on the outside, but you get inside. It's just a total, you know, college hangout party bar. <laughs> that's yeah that's what i love about like those kinds of those kinds of establishments is people you know they come into towns like new orleans or vegas or nashville and they think they're getting like the authentic experience it's like this place is just here for you tourists yeah it's a chain yeah (laughs) it'll look like fun yeah we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars carolyn morissette renfield what do you got i'm gonna give it a three 3.5 wow you're generous okay fun you know i laugh Um, I got like two. Yeah, I figured you would. <laughs> I, yeah, like I, I, yeah, I can't. I can't. It's. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. handsome. The boys are great, um, mm-hmm. and and um, and Bella is fantastic, but underused. I, I didn't think it delivered on the promise that it, it played. But hey, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe you go and you enjoy the heck out of it. Maybe you come away from it thinking it was a complete waste of time. Um, let us know. Ryan at the matinee.ca. Uh, on Twitter, I'm matinee underscore CA. Facebook.com slash dark matinee. What did you think of Renfield? We are going to take a very quick break and come back on the other side right after this. We are back. She's Carolyn Morissette. I'm Ryan McNeil. It's Matinee Cast 304. We've been talking about Renfield. Um, it's the other side, the point of the show where we talk about other films, further viewing, uh, additional reading that you could do to go along with this uh, vampire comedy. Um, you have a few of these uh, other selections. I only have one. So why don't you get us started? Where do you think somebody could go after a watching uh, Renfield for some additional content? Okay, so um, I, I have I have three. So the first one, just because it's a dumb comedy, uh, horrible bosses. It's oh, like I love! I actually enjoy that one. Yeah. So I thought it went well because they're all trying to get rid of their boss, right? <laughs> and so is Renfield basically, so or yep. trying to separate himself. So. I thought, you know, I thought that would be a fun matchup. Yeah, it would. That would. I mean, it's got a great cast. You've got, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the, the bosses themselves are really well cast because you <laughs> yes. have, well, you, you have uh, Kevin Spacey. So that's, uh, that's playing a little bit differently now. Um, yeah. But you also have Jennifer Aniston playing against type and mm-hmm. Colin Farrell kind of playing against type as well. And yeah. the guys who are trying to break free are Charlie Day, Jason Sudeikis and Jason Bateman. Um, it's, I especially think of the Jennifer Aniston plot line in that movie. <laughs> yeah. She's just so awesome. wrong. It's just, it's like, uh, like, I mean, they're all wrong, but that one is wrong on just like several levels. So many levels, but they got the perfect guy to play opposite her, Charlie yeah. Day. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I can't with that guy. Uh, I mean, he's being harassed and half the time he doesn't even, enti- he's like, what, 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 like, what, what what's yeah. even happening right now? Like, he's just so caught off guard every time. 
I mean, that shtick works for him because I, I'm sorry, it's a guilty pleasure. I admit I used to watch it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but yeah, yeah. it was for Charlie Day because he came up with kitten mittens. <laughs> <laughs> He's such an idiot. A day man and night man. So it just, that movie goes along with that kind of silly, like college humor that yeah. it, it works. It's wrong. Yeah. It does not age well. So it, no, it, no, it's, yeah. it's it's aging terribly. <laughs> not age well. But at the yeah. same time, like it's it's. I mean, that was the thing. Like watching that one, I'm like, you are just going. You're not bringing in th- into this any sort of toxic relationship <laughs> or codependence or anything like that. You are just saying these workplaces are shit, and yep. we're gonna watch it be shitty. So yes. that one, I just went all for and just laughed myself stupid. Um, yeah. That's pretty good. Okay, that's a good one to start with. Okay, and then I'm gonna go literal with this. And I guess it could be like the two vampires of Nicolas Cage and like Vampire's Kiss because it's, you know, kind of the easy one to go for because it's it's just two versions. It's kind of like American Psycho slash Vampire, <laughs> you know? It's so, so dumb. It's I mean, yeah. it's that one is just trying to be dumb. But Vampire's and, Kiss? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> with Nicolas Cage. I mean, and the, what's what's wild to watch in that one is I don't know how old he is in that movie, but he seems so young. Yeah, he seems very young. Um so so watching him, yeah, he's only 24 in that movie. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, no wonder he looks so young cuz he is. Um it's um <laughs> it's absurd. I mean, it's I think it's I want to say it's actually on the Criterion channel. Like it, it comes and goes think, from, yeah. from there quite often. Yeah. Well, it's Nicholas Cage in fine form. Um, he's this uh, publishing executive and um, he, you know, it's the full on eighties. Like it's kind of that think, you know, think American psycho, that kind of whole vibe where he's got money, he's handsome. Um, he goes, picks up a young woman who's Casey lemons, by the way. Um, Looking really? adorable. Yeah. Oh my Casey God. Lemons. Wow. So he, he takes her home and they're making out and a bat flies into his apartment. And so she freaks out. They're both really drunk and she's laughing and she runs off and he, he has a therapist and he, he goes to his therapist and says, you know, I, I was aroused when that bat came in and uh, she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, you know, but whatever brushes it off. He's also very, really awful to his assistant. Um, well, that's a nice, and, that's a nice parody. There you go. Or, yeah, not, not yeah. Parody, nice parody ITY. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so he's terrible to her and she has to find this contract and it's, it's like, it's a very <laughs> old contract. She has to dig through. He's really abusive towards her. Actually, it was kind of triggering for me. I'm like, wow, I experienced that. Like yeah. with uh, two bosses, very awful. Um, and so he starts to think that He's a vampire and he, well, before that, he meets Jennifer Beals, goes home with her and she turns out to be a vampire or so he thinks and she bites him and then he thinks he's turning into a vampire and gets progressively more insane as the movie goes on. Um, (laughs) Which is saying something because it's Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it's like fine. It's like, I guess, quintessential cage rage. It was what I would call it. Very nice. Yeah. So it's watching him mentally decline so it's yeah not it, it is adorably stupid uh yeah. you know like 
please, people, like understand what you're getting into. It is it, it is spectacularly dumb, but this is dumb in a very delightful way. It's not that mm-hmm. violent. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just it's so absurd. You uh, this is where Nicolas Cage actually in oftentimes goes full Cage. Uh, you know, b- back when we didn't entirely understand what that was yet. This is when he's doing things like um, Wild at Heart and uh, Raising Arizona. This is in that era of Cage. And yeah, mm-hmm. Vampire's Kiss. It's, it's, I mean, it's like the ideal double feature to go along with, um, to go along with Renfield. And I, that's the thing. Between the two, I'd rather watch Vampire's Kiss again. That's for darn sure. Well, mm-hmm. mine was, I went with the route of, mimicking an older film in a newer film and mine i kind of feel like just vanished i went back to 2000 um to a film called shadow of the vampire do you remember that one? Oh yes that's amazing yeah <laughs> with john malkovich and willem dafoe and mm-hmm. it's about the making of nosferatu um where they brought in this theater performer named max shrek who nobody had ever seen before and near as i know nobody ever saw again that became this iconic version of nosferatu that we see in the you know in the silent era film and willem defoe just gets so into it in the very very best way like he's got these long nails that he constantly like scratches together uh, he, you know, he's done up all like he's got the bald head and he looks all gaunt. John Malkovich is actually reasonably dialed down. Like Malkovich yeah. is another one that can get off the hook yeah. real simple, really, really easily. Um, Carrie Elwes is in it. So there's this neat little meta callback to uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. In the, within the movie, he kills someone. And what I love, what I do remember is that Murnau, played by John Malkovich, yells at him. He's like, why couldn't you kill somebody useless like the writer? And he goes, ah, I'll eat him next. You know, in, in, oh, it's, it's, it's such a fantastic movie. Um, it's, I mean, it's like, it's like vanished. It showed up in 2000 and then just like, poof, disappeared. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything else by the director. It's not the kind of movie that I hear people talk about anymore. You've seen it, obviously. Yeah, I loved Willem Dafoe in that. Oh my God, he was so good. Right. Like it's he kind of he really hammed it up, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so good. Yeah, he was he was allowed to go like completely off the hook with it, Mm -hmm. like really, really get into this weirdo who who happened to have been cast in this movie that nobody Mm -hmm. ever heard from again. Um, Defoe was actually nominated as Best Supporting Actor for that movie. Um, It's so good. I I, the the guy who directed it, um, Elias uh, Mergi. He did Suspect Zero after that, but after like he he just kind of vanished. I don't know what happened to his career or what, but it's it's such a shame because kind of like what we were talking to earlier on, but in the movie with Charles Lawton and um, Night of the Hunter. Now, don't get me wrong, this is not Night of the Hunter, but right. same sort of thing. Like somebody does something great and then they just disappear. It's always a, it's always so sh- such a shame. I'm way overdue for a rewatch of shadow of the vampire. So I think I got to go back to that. You said you had one more. What's your third uh, other side to go along with Renfield. Um, just for a nod to Aquafina, I was going to say like Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Just sure. Because it's action. And like they, he kind of finds his, you know, power and his heroic spirit and his um, superhero powers. So I felt like it kind of, you know, kind of works too. Yeah. I'm with, I'm there with you. I, I, I know that, Aquafina is 
labeled as problematic um, mm-hmm. with her with the way that she speaks. Um, yeah, but her as an actor, I must admit, I have really, really enjoyed the kinds of varying stories that she has chosen to do throughout her career. Like, I mean, she's doing something, as I said, like I found that this movie really, really silly. I found that this movie like, you know, spectacularly dumb, but I mean, Aquafina in it, she was, she was doing great. Like I was actually enjoying everything that she brought to it um, Mm -hmm. for sure. And, and I wouldn't hang it's, you know, any of its failings on her, but then she does all these other, types of movies whether it's crazy rich asians or oceans eight i like i love her in oceans eight um mm-hmm. she's in just glorious in the farewell um you know this yeah. is still her best part um yeah and, and yeah when you get her in a marvel movie and she plays you know kind of the the robin to zhang Ji, mm-hmm. it's uh it, it's it's really uh quite a lot of fun to watch what she does in in that sort of film too mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, be fun. I I know she, look, she stopped using the language and talking in the way she used to talk. I noticed she stopped that. (laughs) She probably got, she probably heard the tweets. Yeah, so I know she stopped that, but I don't dislike her. I think she's, Mm -hmm. her show was funny. I, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good one. I mean, and yeah, anytime, anytime she shows up in something, even for just a few minutes, she, what I, I think what I like about her is she always seems to know, Kind of like what we were talking about with with like Nicolas Cage. Like she knows how far to push things, mm-hmm. you know, like how how crazy she can get at any given moment. Yeah, she can she can get really really zany if if they if people want to let her. Yeah, yeah. But she always she always seems to know like she nice. can read the room, right? Yes, <laughs> now, yeah, now, yeah, yeah, now. She can. <laughs> yeah, now. Well, there we go. That's a short and sweet episode three hundred four of the Matinee Cast. I'm so thankful that Carolyn Morissette was able to come by. Come on back on Monday, May the 8th for episode 305. We will be discussing Bo is Afraid. We might be discussing showing up, but I think we're going to be discussing Bo is Afraid. Did you see Bo is Afraid? Oh my God. Yes. Loved it. <laughs> okay. Can't wait then. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we'll, we'll dig into that. Carolyn is, if you're in Toronto, you can go check out uh, Blood in the Snow uh, in the wintertime. You can check out, uh, if you're in Montreal, you can check out Fantasia in the summertime. Um, if people want to follow you, uh, where where are you these days that people can follow you most prevalently? Um, I'm on uh, Twitter. It's uh, at VFDPixie. And then, like, I'm on Instagram, SEMO25. Uh, I don't really, it's a lot of pictures of cats, maybe some food. I don't know. Ain't nothing wrong um, with that. Yeah, that's, that's usually where I am. Very nice. Um, thank you again for coming by. My site is thematinee.ca. Uh, for more audio content, you can find back episodes uh, there. You can also find them in all of the usual places. Um, Apple, Google, Blueberry, Stitcher Radio, uh, Spotify, anywhere that a podcast is hosted, I am there. If I'm not, please let me know and I'll put my show there. But I'd be really surprised because I went looking for some other avenues to drop the show into and i was like oh i'm already there um everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop feedback on renfield can be left in the comments section of the site you can email me ryan at the matinee.ca uh, i am usually around on twitter where i am matinee underscore ca and there's always facebook facebook.com slash dark matinee any final thoughts miss morissette no, um, yeah, just don't expect much from Renfield except like a good romp, you know? It's like, just go look at Nicolas Cage's Dracula. It's, it was fun. 
That's a that's a really good outlook for life. Don't expect much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> for Carolyn, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.